Today's episode of Cinema Gush is brought to you by the screw this, I'm out of here trope. Have you ever had a moment in time where you wish you could leave it all behind? Well, now you can with the screw this, I'm out of here trope. When you're ready to give life the middle finger in the form of an epic rage quit, you might want to consider a great big retreat. Be sure to take the time to use the why you suck speech before slamming the door. But if you decide to come back later into the great big movie we call life, know that as long as you didn't betray your fellow heroes, you'll be met with a few light, sarcastic jabs before being let back into the world consequence-free. Screw this, I'm out of here trope. In the words of Eric Cartman, screw you guys, I'm a going home. Welcome back, everybody. We're here. What, what episode Hello. are we on? What, what number is this? This would be six. Episode six. Uh, I'm a little embarrassed. We're getting into the meat of episodes where I have not seen these before. I have never seen today's <laughs> movie, and I am so glad that you guys changed that for me. Today oh, we are yeah. talking about Rain Man, and what a great movie. I, I can't yes, even express indeed. how much I enjoy this. So, Lishko, please introduce our guest. Yeah, you know, this is my writing mentor from Act One. His name is Chris Easterly. Um, he is just an awesome, awesome dude. He is currently shooting a movie in Kentucky called Devil's Hollow. Chris has worked for Cartoon Network. He got a fellowship with Warner Brothers, and he has definitely been in the trenches and come out. What's the line for Shawshank? Smelling clean? Smelling? Smelling? I don't know. What was that line? It's like I, I, I couldn't help you, Matt. Chris has crawled through 500 yards of human <laughs> excrement and come out smelling. Doggone it! Now I gotta watch something actually, for Shawshank. Actually, like, actually, I'm still in the excrement. So, yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> aren't we luck, all man. a little right. bit in 2020? Aren't we all? Aren't we all? <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, you know, for Rain Man, this is our first Academy Award winning Best Picture, Actor, Director, and Screenplay. It's the second episode we've done in a row that features Dustin Hoffman and Hans Zimmer once again for the music. Dustin I don't know Hoffman, if this is the second or third. Second episode in a row of him where he is almost unrecognizable even though he's right there on camera the entire time. Yes, and before we... Uh, Right after I finished the movie, I watched his acceptance speech, and it was just a really beautiful speech. His father had recently been um, put in a facility for um, not similar things, but just kind of for aging, and he had expressed his gratitude to him and the new patients that he met as his friends and all the people that he interviewed for this performance. So, But I'm not going to – I don't want to take away the spotlight here from our guest. So, Chris, you are free to gush – about Rain Man, and we'll just jump in randomly. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for having me on here. This is a lot of fun. Um, Heck yeah. Yeah, I always love talking about movies. You know, you always talk about uh, movies you love. And so Rain Man is a special movie for me. You know, it's like, uh, I feel like I was thinking about it today. You know, it's kind of, it's a very character driven movie. You could say it's a quote, small movie in a sense. And I think mm -hmm. about how you can pay, you know, you can make any movie entertaining if you have. $200 million to spend. You can make the Avengers and <laughs> it's, it's going to be entertaining, but, but rain man, you know, it's a small character driven story and you don't need that, uh, to tell that story. And, and all you need, you know, it's so powerful emotionally and excellently written and amazing performances and, uh, superbly directed. And, you know, just looking at it again, you know, it's from 88, which is what 30 years ago. You know, so it's like oh, uh, it's as old as me, for the record. <laughs> <laughs> you were born along with Rain Man. Um, I yeah, was born but, with <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just it holds up because you know, like with any movie, some of the fashions or whatever are dated, but like it because it's a universally emotional story. Uh, 
it's still effective today, I think. And I saw it when I was in the theater when I was like 13. And I remember sitting with my dad and the scene at the end, which we'll get to like when Raymond and Charlie touched their heads in the office. You remember that? Mm. And he says, C-H-A-R-L-A-E, C-H-A-R-L-A, my main man. Like I just started crying. And I looked over at my dad, and he was just all stoic and unmoved. And I was like, dang it. <laughs> I was like, dang it, I'm crying in front of my dad in the movies. I can't do this. But, uh, but I, you know, like, we'll get into this too, I guess. But, like, I think one reason maybe that I it resonated with me was, you know, it's a powerful scene for anybody who has a family member. But I thought, like, over the years, I've thought maybe it's because of, like, my relationship with my brother. And maybe I wanted a closer relationship with him. And maybe this movie touched a nerve, you know. And so, yeah, it's just, it's sort of a personal movie for me. Sure. Well, I know me and the wife are both crying in that scene. It's so hard not to be affected by that. I mean, no matter where you're coming from, there's just that scream for connection that we all want. It just hits it so hard. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And whether it's between a husband and a wife or brother and brother or you know friend to you know son to father it's like that scene hits it it's like we all just want to connect we all want to lean in and touch our heads together and and acknowledge each other you know so yeah i think that scene is brought on so much more beautifully because when he tried to hug his brother after the dancing sequence of vegas he kind of it was almost like cemented in his mind like okay like this won't be emotional i can't touch him like they mentioned that really early on in the movie too that there was no physical touch that was accepted and then that is so earned when that does occur that you just can't help but get choked up because that was their, that if anything, the autism serves as like a wall that could be represented for any wall that we find with the relationships in our lives. And, um, for that wall to come down in that brief moment was just, yeah, it it makes the whole film. And learning to come out of yourself, to talk to somebody else and communicate in a way that you're heard by someone who's different than you, which is everybody in some way or fashion. And I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I'll say this: uh, I haven't I haven't looked at the script. I read the script. I, I haven't seen it recently. But uh, I, one uh, anecdote I heard, which I don't know whether it's true or not, is that in that scene, it was not written that they touch heads. But Dustin Hoffman leaned in, and Cruz just kind of picked up on the moment, and they just touched each other's heads. And made that's that great. Scene. Gosh, yeah, that is great. But I think it those, speaks the man. authenticity of the scene. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, those are like the best moments, the ones that aren't written sometimes. And, and you know that too from the project you've written, you know, written and directed, like the stuff that happens on set that you didn't think of in the script, you just, you still take credit for it, you know, it works. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, sometimes, you know, sometimes I've been on set where I've written something and and you'll hear an actor read something and you're like kind of cringe. You're like, oh man, they didn't get it. You know, they didn't get what I was going for. But then other times they'll do something and you're like, holy crap, they made me <laughs> like, like they, they, they took it to a whole nother level and they brought something to it. I never could have imagined because they're so talented, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so right. I gotta say right from the get go with Ray, man, I was, I was in because it starts with such a very curious opening. You know, you got Los Angeles in the background and then you have kind of a car floating by on strings. And so if you've never seen this movie before, your first thought is, Oh, like, is this supposed to be a flying car? Like, does he work in the movie industry? Right. Like, there's so much curiosity immediately in the movie, and that's just with the opening shot. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and uh, and then you get into Charlie's world, and it, I think it really is. Even though Dustin Hoffman is Raymond, and he won the Best Actor, I really think it's Charlie's story. 
Sure. You know, because Raymond can't change, and uh, mm-hmm. Charlie is the one who go who has an arc. So uh, a lot of yeah. people have said uh, that actually, in a way, even though Hoffman won the Oscar, Cruz gave the better performance. Maybe not better because that's subjective, but gave the performance yeah. that was like, you know, he he had to be the straight man. Like he couldn't sure. rely on ticks and and oddities and that kind of thing. Uh, he had to play the straight man to the guy who gets to play the, you know, sort of uh, interesting character. So that was something yeah, me and the wife actually we, we talked about specifically because the movie's hilarious, but it's never yeah. mean. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. It, it's hilarious because Tom Cruise's inability to understand and his rage and it all comes off as so authentic in his frustration and it's it's like it's it's funny because you're watching a man who who is learning empathy over the course of the movie and Tom Cruise yep. just sells that. Exactly. Yeah, and if yes. he wasn't if he wasn't such a prick in the beginning then it wouldn't matter. But, <laughs> yeah. You know. And that's the thing is um I watched the Siskel and Ebert um review after watching this movie because as soon as I finished the movie I'm like okay now it's time to really dive in and I think one thing Gene Siskel said that was really important was that often the character that Hoffman played or Hoff, is it Hoffman Hoffman Dustin Hoffman one of the character one of the way that he portrays that character oftentimes that character for that time period and, and before would be used in in horror films yep. or like really harsh on the nose um, comedies, I suppose. Um, but the, this performance is just so true and honest that it really did a wonderful service um, yeah. to that community. Yeah. Absolutely. And, it, and it really kind of, in a way, culturally put autism on the map because people had never thought about what autism was. And so, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's based on a real guy who may or may not have been autistic, but, yeah, that's interesting. So, yeah, um, his girlfriend Susanna. I have to say, and, and this is just—I grew up watching. We talked about this before. I grew up with a lot of slapstick comedies in my household. That's uh, Valerie Jolie- Galino. Galino, yeah, yeah, and she was in Hot Shots Part One and Part Two. And oh, so, man. as soon as she popped up on screen, I was like, "Oh crap, <laughs> she's gonna be Topper!" Like the entire movie, right. I'll see her. It's how she was to Charlie Sheen. I couldn't get that out of my head. Like, Two movies that seriously? I never would have saw had you not tied me down and made me watch in college. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, in Rain Man, uh, Tom Cruise does not shoot a rubber chicken at her with a bow and arrow. So. Right? Yeah, oh. That's true. Yeah, Which one is one of the feelings of the movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it was almost there. That one scene had been there. Like, it would have yep. been a classic. Yep. But. Oh, it's unfortunate. Absolutely. Yeah, I will say this, you know... Um, what we talked about with Cruz potentially giving the better performance, they talked about that in the Siskel and Abert review where uh, the job, well, I'll tell this to just folks who are, you know, insane movie buffs like the rest of us are writers or whatever, just like unconsciously people look for change. They look for character change, look for arcs and things like that. There is no change for Hoffman, like Chris said, but Cruz has to have that change. He has to have that journey. And so, it's all the more compelling when he gets out of the car, walks a hundred feet away and then screams bloody murder yeah. <laughs> because he can't stand his brother talking about the Kmart, yeah. which, which a quick point, I will say there's a lot of things in this movie that millennials are not going to get like right. what the hell Wap- judge Wapner is <clears throat> a portal TV with an antenna on it. What Kmart is. Yeah. Why do you um, have to stop at a phone booth? You know, <laughs> sure, <right? sure. laughs> yellow pages. What's that? That's the thing. Mom and dad throw away every year. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> So yeah, uh, let's see. The movie just 
we start off with that, you know, the dad dying and the dad wasn't really present. And then there's this beneficiary who's going to get the $3 million inheritance. And, you know, you think Tom Cruise would be happy with a car because he did nothing to deserve it. Um, but then, you know, we go to this mental, mental institution and boom, that's when we meet Dustin Hoffman. And from there, the movie just gets off and running. Um, well, it's interesting. Chris, tell us more about what you love. I mean, it's interesting because it's almost like a mystery in the first act. Uh, you know, he, sure, goes, sure. he goes to this institution finds this guy who is this guy how does he know about my dad's car um and then raymond says yeah i lived at whatever address you know and my father was you know uh sanford babbitt and uh and it's just this moment where you're like holy crap like i have a brother and so it's like Mm -hmm. the solving of a mystery but it's also like this emotional moment for charlie um everything changes you know and uh and I think like that that's interesting but then it just becomes this yeah brother brother uh love story basically. Right. Absolutely. Right. And Cruz does the the a-hole, the butthole. Yeah. Uh, characters so well and one of the movies that I just love or one of the scenes that I just loved is when they're in the hotel and he orders the pepperoni pizza. Even his girlfriend goes, "I don't want Doesn't pepperoni." Want and he answers the phone, "Yeah, one large pepperoni." Like right. completely ignoring her. I'm just like this guy sucks. That, that's yeah. one of the things I love so much about the parallel in characters is Dustin Hoffman is struggling with the disability that, that inhibits some level of understanding other people's emotions. But Tom Cruise has the same problem. He doesn't yeah. get what other people are thinking mm, and feeling. That's, good. that's a good well point. He, he's just as emotionally detached in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Raymond, am I using you? Yeah. Shut up. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you, you made a good point, Brendan, like, you know, that it, uh, it's very funny, but it doesn't make fun. It's not funny at the mm-hmm. expense of the disabled, you know, it's, uh, it still respects Raymond throughout yeah. and, uh, he's a beloved character. Um, yeah. And then you have that scene toward the end where they're at the, uh, I guess like this is all spoiler alert, right? Oh yeah. We're good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 They yeah. know what they're getting into. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> the scene in the diner when he pours the syrup and they finally make a connection and he's like, Oh, okay. You know, Charlie made a joke. Charlie yeah. Rabbit made a joke, you know? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, it's so like heartbreaking because you know, Raymond is not capable of living in the real world. And so he can't just live in Charlie's apartment in LA. Uh, so, you know, something's got to give. Um, and I think it just ends, you know, not to get to the end too quickly. We'll continue to talk about it, but, it just, yeah. it just ends so beautifully that like it's this bittersweet ending where, but it's really best for both characters because Raymond needs that institutionalized life and uh, Charlie wouldn't be able to live the rest of his life taking care of Raymond, you know? Yeah. But yeah, they make that very clear once the toaster oven and the yep. smoke and the alarm and all that, like you, you're watching that scene. You're just, and at that point you have that hope of like, maybe they can live together. Maybe LA will work out and then that happens. And you're just like, yep. There is no shot. Right. Yeah. Right. But, and yet, you know, that Charlie, presumably after the movie ends, like he's going to get to go. Well, he even says, doesn't he? Like, I'm going to come see you in a couple weeks. Two yeah, weeks. Two yep, weeks. He'll yep. be there in two weeks. Yeah. And, and I'll bring, I'll bring it back to the script here, which I downloaded. And it was, uh, I mean, there's no nicer way to put it. It was insanely long at 186 pages. Yeah. I've never read a Ron base script before. Like there's a lot of, um, with the whole dot, dot, dot ellipses going on and so many over descriptions. Like it was very interesting reading the script partially along with the movie and seeing how much was cut 
especially the ending where in the ending of the second draft that I read, um, they do the whole goodbye two weeks thing. And Susanna's at the train with him and she says, go, go with him. Cause he looks so uncertain and he just hops on the train and the train goes away. And that was supposed to be the original ending. That's not as effective. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. And that's the thing is, I I'm a guy who I I'm with my wife on this. Like, I like my happy endings. I don't like too much confusion. I know we talked about this a bit in Snowpiercer, but it's like I, like I kind of like you. Well, you do. You love your <laughs> tragic heroes. You love your old boy endings, well, and I'm just like. But but, but I, it speaks I to a truth. Was, you make your point. I'm it sorry. does. I'm sorry. Go that's, go, no, no, go that's the the point was I could not agree more with the ending that they went with, and I know I watched a little interview with um with Ron at South by Southwest, where I think he still holds to the ending that he wrote. And I just have to say like, no, like this is the one time where like that bittersweet ending works so perfectly that I couldn't see it any other way. Yeah. Um, It's almost like if Charlie had jumped on the train with him, it would have become like Rain Man, the TV series. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, Rain Man, the Hallmark but movie. <laughs> I, 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 I guess unlike you, Nick, like I love a bittersweet ending and, uh, Somebody was telling me, I was talking, we were talking about Jurassic Park, and I was like, you know, I was like, I love a bittersweet ending, unless it's just a movie with dinosaurs, and then somebody pointed <laughs> out, no, Jurassic Park actually has a bittersweet ending, because, like, they leave the island, and he realizes his experiment has failed. And his dream's over, yeah. Yeah, his dream's over, the dinosaurs are out, they're gonna live, they're gonna be okay, but, like, this Pandora's box has been opened, and so it's it's bittersweet. So, I, I, I kind of love that bittersweet, like... Like sad but hopeful. Ending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like five hundred days of summer. Yeah, like, yeah. Like you can yeah. have the hero lose, um, which takes me to my favorite Star Trek quote, where Picard says, um, "It is possible to make no mistakes and still lose. That is not huh. um, failure. That is life. Uh, like, that's just how sure. it is." But but that bit of hope at the end, like, and and there's that hope because in two weeks he's gonna see his brother. He wants that relationship with his brother. It wasn't about. It's not a sad ending. Made the point. Yeah, it's not. It's not a. No, it's, it's not. I mean, not. it is, but it's not. And it's like we don't need to see him two weeks later hanging out with Raymond. It's like you know, right? Like so, but but yeah, I mean, it is like to me. It's it's. I guess it's not sad because it's like Charlie has grown as a man as well. Exactly, you know? and he needed that. Yeah, like he needs to say goodbye to his brother. He needs to give up something he wants yep. for the love of another person for it to come full circle for him. Yeah, give up something other than money. <laughs> right, right. And and he comes to the point where he is like, screw you, I'm going to tear up your check. I don't want money for Raymond. I just want to I have a brother. I want to raise him or take care of him or whatever. But but then we realize, like, Charlie's not capable of that either. Right, you know? yeah. So uh, it's best for everybody that Raymond... I mean, he's... Charlie is is making the loving act by giving Raymond up, so... Now, see, those are my favorite kind of endings. Those, I love you so much, I'm not going to... The Casablanca ending, you know? Yeah, I got, yeah. Uh, I, just, I, I, love I love you, that. so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to release you. Yeah. Right. It, yeah. it, it shows the maturity gotten, yeah. that I love, yeah. Totally. We would have gotten Rain Man 2 lost in Australia because they would have flown to Qantas or something, you know, using Qantas or something. Right. <laughs> so, glad that didn't work out. Um, it was good to see Bonnie Hunt as the waitress, like, super quick. With oh, the yeah. pick sequence. I forgot that, um, yeah. Who, yeah, who, she snuck in. Who later appeared with Tom Cruise in Jerry Maguire. Oh, that's right. Yes. She was the, the she was Renee Zellweger's sister. Connection. My that's wife right. just pointed yeah. and said, that's the the uh, the Jumanji woman. No, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yes. 
Oh my gosh, that is absolutely right. Immediately followed by 97X, bam, the future of rock and roll. <laughs> there, that's the thing, there are some lines in this movie you just can't get out of your head, and that was one that just... <laughs> yeah. I even found myself walking around today, I was like, 97X, bam, <laughs> bam. the future of rock and roll. Oh my gosh. Right. Made a joke, haha, love it. Right. Yeah, there's so many great lines. Yeah, for people who haven't seen this movie, which you probably have by now if you've gotten this far deep in, hopefully that joke in The Hangover makes more sense now because they stole it right from Rain Man. <laughs> Wait, which joke was that? Yeah. The one where, the fact, uh, so towards the end of Hangover, when they need to make the money to get Doug back, they have Zach Galifianakis essentially Rain Man at the uh, blackjack table and okay. the equations flying by. So they they got that from this did, flick. Did they dress up in their silver suits and come down the escalator? They, I think he did. Oh my gosh! It's been a I minute since I've seen The Hangover, it's but been so long because it's that's very famous. That's gift. kind of an oft-repeated uh, uh, mockery of Rain Man is that there's scenes like that where the guys are coming down the escalator with their suits on. Yes. Okay. So he does have the suit on. I just looked up Hangover Rain Man. And, yeah. <laughs> okay. They made that point to do that. Oh goodness! I'm pretty I think, sure they know, do that as well in Paul Bar Mall Cop too. Because I haven't mentioned oh, that. Oh, for sake, Brendan! <laughs> I, bet they, I bet they do. I bet they do. That would make sense. Every episode we talk yep. about Paul Blart. Yeah, gotta mention Paul Blart mock too. <laughs> yeah, I gotta say, I was looking up uh, little details about this movie, and I found that um, while Dustin Hoffman was offered the script, um, Bill Murray was who they initially thought really should be Rain Man. That would have really? been that would have been way before Groundhog Day. But they they were given the script at the same time essentially, and Dustin was the one who went for it. Hmm. But that's interesting you, because I, I yeah I don't see that not working. I mean, I think yeah, I, I right. think that could work fine. It would have been different, mm-hmm. but for sure. Yeah. yeah, he's got the he's got the range, if you will. I mean, um, lost, lost in translation, I thought was great. Oh, what a wonderful oh, absolutely, movie. yeah. That's Sofia Coppola, I think. Yep. Yes. Yeah, she's got a movie out now with Bill Murray that I've been meaning to see. Yeah, it's on but, Apple, right? Or Apple Plus or something. Never mind. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'll support Apple at some point. Other than the laptop I'm currently using. Um, but yeah, just it, what a delightful film. I, I love the, you know, it's, it's essentially a road trip buddy movie. Um, I, could agree, I could relate with Tom Cruise so many times. Just being frustrated with a passenger and just wanting to scream and lose your mind. And yeah, um, it just, it was a, it was a very, very lovely film. It was, yeah. I, I'm so glad you picked this. It's been on my to watch list for years now and I just needed a push to go see it. That was a delight and a half. I, I really enjoyed every minute of that movie. Good. I'm, yeah. glad, I'm glad you guys liked it. I, I watched it again recently with my wife. She had never seen it. And she's uh, like, yeah, man, it's a good movie. Hold yeah. Time. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, it really does. And it, it's your favorite film of all time? I, I would say, yeah. I mean, you know, it's like, it's it's relative in a sense. It's like my favorite action movie is Die Hard, you know, but it like. Oh, sure. But, uh, and, but I would say just in terms of like overall films and their sort of emotional effect on my life and just pure craft and stuff, I just always keep coming back to Rain Man. Just a great movie. And I know there's, you know, it was only 88. There was you know, a hundred years of movies before that. And I love Casablanca and I love other movies, but you know, that's just a personal one for me. Yeah. Well, even from the, even from the technical perspective and I'll geek a little bit here. One kind of thing I noticed is how long some of those takes were 
in the movie, I noticed the editing is like very light and it was kind of refreshing. Like I'm used to, mm-hmm. you know, at least with a lot of the action movies since I don't know, 95 and beyond, just like there's so many cuts, so many different shot angles. This movie had very simple angles, very well set up a couple push-ins, but mostly it was long shots unless it really called for it. Like the, the scene in the hotel with the hot water right. where you find out, you know, Raymond, that's right. why he was sent away was because he burned Tom Cruise as a baby. Um, and that scene had tons of jump cuts and zooms, but otherwise like this movie was extremely tame with the cinematography. And I was just like, I even wrote in my notes, like that's it. This movie has been awfully refreshing yeah. for how easy it flows. Yeah. It's interesting because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm shooting this movie that I wrote devil's hollow right now, this, uh, indie Southern Gothic crime drama. And so, you know, for one thing, we don't have a lot of money, so we have to move quickly on set and just get our shots and go. But another thing is, like, I'm learning, uh, you know, it's like we don't need seven takes of a certain scene. Like, if you just set up a two-shot and it's two people doing something and you get a couple takes of it, then you can move on. Um, it's because you have to trust the power of the story. You know, it's not about sure, the sure. composition of the shot. I mean, that's important, obviously, but like, yeah, it's not about that. Like, just just as long as you're telling the story, it's just like with writing, you know, if you're communicating clearly, that's what's important. It's not about like exquisite prose. It's just about are you saying what you want to say? And I think it's the same. And so I think Rain Man does that as well. Like you said, in the hotel bath bathtub scene, there's a lot going on, but other stuff. Yeah, there's like longer takes. It gets out of like the whole scene. Yeah. yeah, the whole sequence yeah. where Susanna does the uh, "screw this, I'm out of here" speech, essentially to Tom Cruise, because you know he sucks and he's selfish. Um, that whole sequence from when she's like he tells his brother to, like, you know, to you know, why'd you do that and all that stuff. From her leaving, it's it's two, it's two, it's one shot of that, and there's a quick cut to, to Cruise, and then that particular cut continues on. Like it was almost two and a half minutes, and it's two shots. And I'm just like, dang it. Like, Man, yeah. there's something about, I don't want to sound too old school here, but there is something about shooting on film where it was very precious, the amount of film that you had and all the processing that had to be done with it and everything. And you didn't have all day. Um, That's good. So you kind of, you know, you had your rehearsals and then you did your one to maybe third take and then one of those would stick. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, you know, I hadn't thought of it in terms of that, but it's like film was a more. Pre- precious commodity than zeros and ones when you're recording digitally so it's like yeah it's like let's just get the shot and go and maybe that's why 90 year old clint eastwood still does it that way you know like the the story is that like he just gets one or two takes and it's like moving on yeah i don't know about you man but that's when i was shooting my web series like there was a moment where I was just like, when they would nail it on the first take, I'm like, am I being Ed Wood? Right. By not letting them go again? Like, am I being, am I, <laughs> like, I don't know, there's that voice in the yeah. head. It's just like, if they, if they did it great the first time, well, like, do I want to be Ed Wood who lets one take go, or do I want to be David Fincher who does 96 takes right. of one thing, you know? Make everybody well, cry. That's kind of, right. That's kind of comforting for me, Nick, to hear you say that, because sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll do a take, we'll, we'll film a take, and I'm like, I, I just liked it. I don't have a lot of notes for the actors because I just liked what you did, you know? So it's like, yeah, we don't need to do three or four more takes. Like let's get one more for safety, but yeah, I kind of like what well, we got. So, 
Yeah, or if they want a chance to like play something up more, yeah, like, I'll always ask how they felt about it, which is a very like I don't know teacher thing to do. I suppose it's like, well, how did you feel you did? <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> so I, I gotta I gotta see if there's some like behind the scenes featurettes about Rayman because I was just I really was enjoying just how well the movie flowed and how yeah. simple it felt and and so the um, the director Barry Levinson, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What else he done? He's still alive. He's still alive. Right? Yeah, he's doing something. He's actually doing something right now. Um, he what did. Else has Mister? He did. Uh, was it Diner or Tin Men or? Yes, Diner in '82. Okay. Yeah. Um, he also did the classic that we all know and love, starring Will Smith and Kevin Kline, Wild Wild West. Oh, oh Stone Cold gonna... classic. <laughs> I think I he... thought you were gonna say Toys with Williams. <laughs> oh, did he do that? Uh, it says he was a yeah he okay. did that one as a director yeah did, did he do Wild Wild West I think he did I'm I'm looking it up uh, on IMDb I don't see him doing Wild Wild West but oh. he did Wag the Dog with Hoffman again great movie um, Good Morning Vietnam oh man I love that movie too oh The Natural there's another one to talk about sometime Man of the Year that's I think it's also a Rob Williams one um, but most recently he's doing. Um, a TV series, a mini series, but yeah, he's still, still going strong. And for some reason on uh, IMDb, it's a, a a picture of B movie. I don't know. Yeah, I was trying to figure out what that, that was. So yeah, I was looking for that myself. Yeah. Um, another thing too is uh, in the interview that I heard with Ron Bass from the Austin Film Festival podcast, he talked about um, how this movie was ninety percent Steven Spielberg involved. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that too. Yeah, he talked about like how they would go like walking on the beach and just talk about um, like moments in the movie and things like that. Um, did you guys love the Rain Man theme with like the kind of Native American? Yeah, I wanted to ask you all about as the much music. as I did. What you thought about? Yeah, the music. I noticed there, that there, theme. There, 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 was there, almost, was there was almost like a cal- calypso kind of uh, calypso type. I don't know. I, I almost yeah. expected at any moment it to go over the edge into two full synth 80s, but it never did. Like yes! It, 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 right. <laughs> I kept expecting it to get a little bit much, and it never was. I, I enjoyed the right. beginning then. But, but then you got the whole opening, I go, I go, I me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, uh, you know, cool pop song, but it's it's dated, but whatever, it works. Absolutely. That, but there was a moment where Tom Cruise was driving and like it just sounded like several different effects. I was like, somebody's got their Roland keyboard out and they're just going to town. <laughs> Hans Zimmer you know, I, came up with like so, a very synth-heavy environment. Yeah, I forgot it was Hans Zimmer. I mean, obviously, he's a genius. Like, uh, But I I just think the music is so effective for that film as well. It's such a, it's like a character in the film. Well, because it kind of builds mystery. Like, that kind of music is very mysterious, yeah. I think. And then, like, you know, the brother is a mystery and, and his... His illness, his, his, I don't want to say disease, but just what he's affected with. Right. Like, that's also a mystery as well, and it continues to be so. Um, and it's not, yeah. the music is not maudlin or romantic or sentimental. It's, uh, it just works, you know? Yeah. Well, I think that's just goes back to what you're saying about the editing. It, it's not distracting. I feel like. Yeah. It, it's not distracting in. in it fits the scene. You always have it complements the emotion of any given scene, just like the editing did. I never felt like yeah. I was too focused on these parts. 
Yeah, if we can give Rayman credit for anything, it's uh, ensuring that Judge Wapner stands the test of time. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, what the? I don't, I didn't even know what the hell that was. <laughs> but I'm sure it's like somebody today making a Judge Judy reference, and then some kid at like 2057 being like, "What the hell is Judge Judy?" And it's like the highest paid TV personality of right. time, man. <laughs> so, but yeah, man, Rain Man rocked. I loved it. I know it's on AFI's top hundred movies of all time, um, highest grossing movie of that year. Um, best, fantastic film. Yeah, best uh, best picture winner, right? Yep. Yep. Best picture. Best. I had this in my notes. Best. Uh, best director. Best actor. Best screenplay. And best. Was it music? It it won all of those, or was nominated? Yeah, it it won best picture, best actor, best director, and best screenplay. Man, poor Cruz. Poor Cruz. Yeah. Was was he nominated? For supporting, or I'm looking. Um, yeah, I'm about to say we can find out real quick. I mean, he got nominated for a ton of things. Um, I know he's been nominated they, before for uh, Magnolia. He was not nominated. The, uh, the nominees they didn't win was cinematography, art direction, set decoration, film editing, and original score. They were robbed. Um, <laughs> they got the four <laughs> best ones. Although Cruz can rest easy because he was nominated for Magnolia. He was nominated for Born on the Fourth of July. Uh, trying to think what else. Anyway, he's always. I say no. They they give that a lot of crap to DiCaprio because it took him forever to get one, and then like it's like no man. Like Cruz has been doing it since like DiCaprio's been in diapers. Man. Yeah, Magnolia, Jerry Maguire, and Born on the Fourth of July, best actor, never got it. Right. Uh, and he and, I, and he probably won't get it if he keeps making Mission Impossible Eleven. May you know? he do it until Fire he dies. Grateful. And yes, we love that series. <laughs> well, and I'll and I'll be the first to admit I love those movies. I'll go watch them. But it's like, come on, Cruz, you're capable of more. He, absolutely, you Rain Man. Come on. I want to see him do another bad guy again. It's absolutely. been a while since like Collateral. He was so good. In this, uh, oh so man, boring. Collateral was amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great, yeah. great that movie. Was a good one. Tropical should we uh, <laughs> should we do some numbers? Yes, let's absolutely crunch some numbers. All you right, go first. All right, I've got a list here. Uh, Chris, if you don't mind, could you pick a number between one and two hundred eight? One thirty-seven. One thirty-seven. See, what we got. Ooh, this will be good. One thirty-seven is Douglas Kirkland, a still photographer. He is uncredited. Let's see. Let's pull him up. Uncredited. Oh man, is this on IMDb? <laughs> yep. Yeah, we take all the, the list in IMDb, and then we just pick a random number from that cast number, and then we just give praise to that person. Shout out to somebody awesome. random. So Douglas Kirkland, uh, best known for his work on Willow, the 2005 Fantastic Four, and Behind <gasps> Enemy Lines. Willow! Willow! Oh, they just announced they're uh, doing, I think, a Willow series. Yeah, yeah, Disney Plus. They're going to start right. next year. So he was he's yes. camera and electrical department credits on a lot of movies. He's been doing oh man, I mean Is he like a is he like a behind the scenes camera guy who gets like still shots on That's what it looks like. He... So he he it looks like it's mostly photography stuff. Um there's a couple okay. other credits here, but he's got he's got still photographer credit for ninety movies going back until nineteen sixty one. 
That would whoa, nineteen sixty one. That that would be a great job. Just show yeah. up on set and take pictures of the production. Oh, like, some great movies great. too. Like he's got Sound of Music, two thousand one, A Space Odyssey. Sound of Music. Oh, uh, I mean, just yeah. Some, he, so he was he was on the set Alien. Of Sound of music yeah, yeah. He's he's been. Yeah, man, this guy, I want his job. He's just been flying on the wall in some of the best movies in Hollywood history. This guy's an amazing job. why would he get credit? Hey, what are you doing today? I'm going to go to a movie set and take pictures. Come on. That's amazing. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, So, you know, I got to say, Douglas Kirkland, I'm not entirely sure how that works, but thank you for doing what you did on a lot of movies. A lot of really good movies. Thank you for... Wow. Great. And I like that picture too. Oh, it's yeah. like very, hmm, you know, he got the hand on the chin, the finger just kind of dangling there. And is he still working? Oh, uh, most recent was 2016. Wow, he's doing it. Yeah, he's living the dream. That's for sure. And he did. It looks like he, he did a 2005 uh, Fantastic Four. Yep, yep. Is that's that right? what it says. I, I, yeah, I will say, I enjoyed that film. Was it? A, yeah, man. Was, was it a great fun. film? Was it? Was, <laughs> Was it Rain Man? No, but it was a fun film. Yeah, so. I heck yeah, it wasn't Fan Four Stick, which we had a couple years ago, which was I've heard rumors. I haven't seen that one, but no, I I enjoyed oh I enjoyed those. The, the Chris Evans is a as a unlikable, yeah. and that was a uh, like Jessica Alba and. Yeah, no. Yep. What's what's the other guy's name? Ian Ian Griffud or something. The guy from yep, The Shield. Yep. Who like that's the, the only thing he's been in is The Shield. And Fantastic oh, Four. Oh, uh, Michael Chiklis. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, what a. So, Doug, like, thank you for working on Ray, even though you didn't get credit, which I think is garbage, because the credits were very, very fast in this movie. Like, you deserve credit, Doug. You are awesome, sir. No doubt. Amen. Amen. No doubt. And now for our next, uh, you know, before we did the the next number picking game, Chris, if there was a moment in Rain Man where if somebody had never seen the movie and they're, you know, they have, let's say, a, a very small bladder, uh, where would you recommend that they get up, go to the bathroom and come back? Oh, man, I don't know, because he, t- he takes him in that small town to the doctor, but that's where we reveal he has autism. So I wouldn't do it there. I was thinking there's that long shot with him after he called or right before he called Susanna. That was like a very long oh, sure. shot. You could maybe if you ran fast enough, you could probably make it. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good. See, story. I was thinking if that's you don't want to miss story, you could do the part where they're arguing about boxes and Kmart. Unfortunately, it's one of the best parts of the whole movie. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hmm. And that's the thing. That's the beauty of the film is there's, you know, to ask that question, where can you go pee? It's like I was struggling. Uh, well, a well-constructed film doesn't allow you that look right. because you need to see every moment, you know? It's a very yeah, tight I movie. I mean, if there's, if there's a movie I can point to where upon reading the script and then seeing the movie that I have really understood the phrase trim the fat because some of the scenes in the script were like seven, eight, nine, ten pages long and they should have been ten-minute sequences and they were cut down to like 45 seconds. And, you know, they say you write the movie three times, like, in pre-production and production and in post. And that that was Rain Man to me. Um, so the next part, yeah. Let's So, Chris, number between one and three, please. Three. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, I love it when that's what's said. <laughs> uh, 
Oh, I'm glad you didn't say one because I'm sure Brenda would have been very angry. Oh no, oh. I need to know when we're done. But okay, <laughs> we will. Yeah, number three. All right, Chris. Right now, I need you to say something nice about the movie Marley and Me. <laughs> something what a, nice. What a, what a cute. What a cute dog. <laughs> 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 oh, which is uh, for the win. Which paradox? Which paradoxically is also the negative. <laughs> <laughs> the negative and the positive. What yeah. a cute dog! Oh man, it was an Owen Wilson movie, sir. True, and Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> okay, so now I have to ask: What were your other two movies? He said the Fifth Element was one. I can't blame anybody for not like the Fifth Element. I I enjoy oh, the campiness go. of it, but I can't blame a soul for yeah. not. Yeah, I remember seeing it and just being like, what? What is and happening? Like, it's not that I don't appreciate sort of oddball movies, but there's something about Look, it. I, I enjoy it, and like. I don't even know if I could say it's a good movie. I wouldn't go that far. Right. <laughs> well, this maybe- leads into an interesting discussion because forever I've been saying that when so- like if there's a movie that I haven't seen, and there's a lot of, you know, quote, great films, unquote, that I haven't seen. Um, but when it's built up to such an insane level of expectations, like it's almost impossible for the movie to be, you know, to live up to the greatness. Like I, the fifth element was like one of the first movies on DVD. Like it was the people who love that movie, love the hell out of that movie. And then when, when you see it after hearing for years and years, like the, the nonstop praise, you're like, Oh, so, right. so why did you think that I loved it so much? Well, it was sci-fi. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> okay all right it was that what's the director louis uh, something yeah. the guy who did he's, uh he's got some quirky stuff out there but buñuel yeah. or was that him louis or somebody different uh, louis vuitton is that louis is vuitton that the... that's it louis <laughs> louis lamore no that wasn't that's it. right so, so what was your uh what was your second one luke basson there we go, luke basson. Uh, the, the wedding planner like you know the jennifer lopez movie that my wife loves and smiles <laughs> when she sees it and i go oh no and i have to leave the room but yeah the wedding planner uh yeah the wedding planner i remember being like i was living in salt lake city and uh i was working at i was working as a pa on touched by an angel the tv show uh-huh. And I and I was like, you know what, man, I've been working like an eighty hour week and I got off on Friday. I was like, I'm gonna go see a movie. So I went to see the wedding planner. And I remember leaving it <laughs> and being like literally like actually like angry. <laughs> <laughs> How could you have that, done this to yourself? So bad. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And it was so bad and it was like, I spent money on this and I only have so much time. I'm working as a PA on the show. I have so many free hours and I just wasted it on this. And it was like, <laughs> I remember it was so bad. I thought it was just like, how could you insult me with this? You know, I just, <laughs> I just gave you $8 or whatever it was back then, you know? <laughs> That's great. Uh, and there was no Irish lady at the exit to be like, I'm an angel, Chris, sent by God no. to help you out. She was like, Chris, this movie was bad. Chris, God loves you. Yeah. <laughs> no, that didn't happen. So. Oh my God. Gosh, what a delight. And that was during the Matthew McConaughey phase of just like kind of just sell out, make romantic comedies, you know. And and then he kind of rebounded and became like an Oscar. Yeah, really good. But, and then, then he went yeah. full yeah. circle and made Serenity, which... Um, oh, yeah. I've heard of that. Guys, I, I can't even... <laughs> I have not I seen it yet, but... I can't even... I, 
I love that movie. Did you see I saw it? it in theaters. When I saw the reviews saying that it was transcendently yes. bad, I was there in a heartbeat. <laughs> awesome. It was, I, I cannot oversell how wonderfully awful that movie is. I recommend it to everyone. <laughs> I just have to give you props, Chris, for going to see a movie titled The Wedding Planner and being like, hmm, maybe this will be all right. Because That's true. One of the more famous stories from my wife and I uh, when we first started dating was she took me to see Hansel and Gretel, um, which ended up which ended up being Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters. And when the when the very first credit directed by a popped up, she goes, "What the hell was that?" <laughs> and I was like, "What did you? Ex- I'm like, what did you? Ex- I'm right. like, did you not see the trailer? What no. Did you, did you not see the poster outside the theater? <laughs> no. I thought it'd be about kids and candy. <laughs> what?" I remember, uh, I remember going to see Wreck It Ralph in L.A. with a buddy of mine, and when it was over, he was like, "Man, that's kind of lame. It's like a kids movie." <laughs> the, the, mm. the Disney movie you went to see with it, right? And I, I was like, "What did you? <laughs> I mean, what did you think it was when we came in?" <laughs> you know, what would Wreck It Ralph be other than? I mean, I guess like maybe the with the equalizer being out around the same time. True. Maybe it was something like that. Yeah, but it's that. hard to get through the nice. movie theater and not get some idea. There's posters and logos and Right. Yeah. Gosh, I can't think of the last movie I went in without knowing anything about it. Because like I'm I'm a trailer junkie, like Apple.com slash trailers, like since two thousand five. Like I was there like every other day. Um, yeah, I don't... coming soon.net, all that stuff. Like I was just very much into like what's coming out, what's coming out, what's coming out. So it's it's very See, rare that, that I don't know anything about the. That's what I miss, I miss the that. most working in a small independent theater is running the projectors and walking and saying, "What am I watching? And why is it so brilliant? And, and or what am I watching? <laughs> yeah. And why is anybody on earth watching this? This I mean... right. <laughs> oh shoot! Well, if you think awesome. about it, it was like you know back in the 30s and whatever. It's like. People didn't have streaming, so they couldn't just scroll through all these choices. Yeah, and look at them. they just thought like, "Hey, I just want to go to the movie on Sunday." You know, it's kind of so great. They showed up. Yeah. They showed up, and whatever was there was there. And maybe you saw something amazing, and maybe you didn't. But but it was an experience uh, either way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, cool. Should we? Uh, so we need more. I'm sorry. No, did you want go ahead. No, I was just saying. We, it was. I was gonna say we like we need more yeah. of that. Like we need more of that. Just showing up. I think that's one thing. Not man, we're getting really ranty. I kind of love this. That's the one thing I really like. I still love about J.J. Abrams, and you can all hate him, whatever. But I, I still love Lost for what it was. I really enjoyed his Star Trek movies. Force Awakens is great in my opinion, but I loved the way like Super Eight. You knew nothing about it. Yeah. Coverfield, we knew nothing about it. I like, can't argue with anything you just that said. That mystery is awesome. I remember seeing. Oh, this is going to be okay. No, so spoilers for Ten Cloverfield Lane. Have you yeah. guys seen that? Yep. Okay. When that trailer ended with the John Goodman slamming on the door and him being like, don't go out there, don't go out there, and that happened in the first 12 minutes of the movie, I felt panicky in the theater because I'm like, wait a minute, this is well, this is too early for this scene to happen. <laughs> they didn't give anything yeah. away. And it's, exactly. And, you know, Fincher is famous for, in the marketing department, like, for Gone Girl, he's like, you cannot put anything in the trailer after minute 58. That was, like, his one stipulation oh. when it came wow. to cutting trailers. And so, they're... Having mystery, like it's so powerful, and I I hope that there are more filmmakers who use that uh, yeah, more often. Absolutely, that's interesting. I say. So it was speci- yeah. it was specifically he said nothing after fifty eight. Huh? Yeah, I think I don't know if it was in the Gone Girl commentary or if it was just because he he fully believes that marketers are the worst because they always feel like they're trying to save the movie. He talked about this uh, with Brad Pitt 
for the commentary for Fight Club. I don't know why I know this off the top of my head, but um, he's like, marketers, they think their job is to save the movie. Even if you give them the greatest film of all time, they watch and they go, well, how are we going to help this one out? Well, and uh, yeah, that belief is what made, the, from what I hear, it's that, that conversation, that Gone Girl, you couldn't edit past a certain point. I, the I am not yeah. here to defend Batman versus Superman, but I would argue that you had a better trailer, and I think that movie's 30% better. That doesn't make it good, but uh, it's dramatically better. No, I would say, Brendan, I would say the uh, trailer for Man of Steel was like amazing. Oh, I love that trailer. Um, I love and, that and, trailer. And so... When I saw the movie, like I just couldn't help but be disappointed. Yeah. Not that it was like awful. Yeah, it wasn't it was awful, like, but it wasn't it wasn't that trailer. No, but like the, yeah, it wasn't the trailer. Was it like, wasn't that hopeful, that patriotic, yeah. amazing. Yeah, but I, I think right. Batman versus Superman. If Wonder Woman was a surprise, that would have been such an exciting moment in theater that I would have given a lot more credit yes. than, I, than I did knowing the trailer spoiling the entire movie. So, yeah, uh, that's that was during my everywhere. no trailers moment, and I saw that movie without I saw that movie without knowing Wonder Woman was even in it. Thankfully, I so I I did have that experience actually, <laughs> uh, and it was wonderful. But yeah, so to wrap things up, um, Chris, what are you watching right now? What media are you consuming? Books, TV, movies? I know you're busy, you know, filming right now. Yeah, um, and you can talk about that too. But like, just what are you consuming right now in the media world? Uh, well, let's see. My wife and I are re-watching Breaking Bad. Always a good choice. Uh, yeah, we're on yeah. we're on season two, and she's never seen the whole series, which I have, so it's pretty amazing. That's great. Uh, we're also watching The Crown, which is great. Yes, I uh, love it. And uh, yeah, and then in terms of reading, I've I I teach uh, TV writing for Regent University in Virginia Beach. Um, I do it from my home in Kentucky, so it's all online. But, you know, so a lot of my reading has been like textbooks and stuff lately. But when I get a break, uh, I am reading a book actually just about directing uh, because I'm working on Devil's Hollow. So just trying to nice, man. trying to prepare myself. So my I mean, my like pleasure reading is my work reading sort of. So Sure. Sure. Yeah, I mean, anyone who Gandalf gives a shout out to. Oh uh, man, you know. yeah, that was that was crazy. It's like we uh, we got the script to this actor named Shuler Hensley down in Atlanta, and uh, he's a Tony winner, and he he was in Van Helsing with Hugh Jackman. He was on Broadway with Hugh Jackman, and like he's done a bunch of stuff. But he uh, he got the script, and we talked to him about a role in it, and he said, yeah. I want to do this role, but I also want to produce. And, you know, during the pandemic, everybody's just hungry to work. And so they're like, hey, if we find a project we like, we want to work on it. Um, and we're willing to work for SAG, ultra low budget, $100 a day. You know, we just want to work. Um, so he came on board and uh, turns out he's friends with Ian McKellen, apparently. And so <laughs> and so Ian McKellen posted on Facebook last night. uh a link to our Indiegogo campaign to raise money for our movie. So I was That's like, what? Awesome. That is so cool. I was like, Gan yes. Gandalf. And then, uh, <laughs> there's this, of course there's a scene with a bridge in the movie. And so one of my friends was like, you have to have Gandalf show up and say, you shall not pass. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. We will put that in the show. Yeah, notes we'll get sure. a link there. Okay. That's thanks. Great. Definitely. Um, Brendan, what about you? What are you watching? What uh, you so I just finished reading The Thin Man. 
um, which was a delight. I've never seen the movie. But speaking of, so the indie theater that I, I worked for is the Myrna Loy Center. And so Myrna Loy, you know, famous for being in The Thin Man. And I've never seen a Myrna Loy film. So she's from Helena. Um, so I finished that. I, oh, uh, you guys heard of the, the animated show on Netflix, Hilda? No. Strong no. recommend. I don't know if I've seen a new animated show for kids that I've enjoyed as much as Hilda. If it just season wow. two dropped yesterday, so we're watching it with the kids, and it's whimsical, it's magical, it's based on a series of graphic <clears> novels <throat> that I'm reading with my daughter periodically, and get on Netflix and watch the first two episodes. Watch to the to the Midnight Giant, and you'll be hooked. It's so good. It's just it's okay. great. So doing that, Hilda. yeah, Hilda, Hilda. It's yeah, it's it's a it's a delight. Um, that's that's most of it. The long and the short. I've finished since I finished the Thin Man. I pulled out an old collection of Conan the Barbarian short stories to read. So that's that's what I'm doing oh, now. Oh man, I'm a huge I'm a huge Conan. Oh, it's fan. so much I, fun. I, I, like I used to collect the comics as a kid. Yeah, I got I got the yeah. complete collection. I I found a copy. I had to have it shipped from Britain so that I could read the short stories in between other books. Oh man, yeah, it's, it's, the, it's delightful. The, is it the Robert E. Howard? Story yeah, yeah, or? it's it's the full collection of his works. Okay, awesome. Yeah, it's great. You know, it's like H.P. Lovecraft if Arnold Schwarzenegger is your main character. <laughs> right. So, yeah. H.P. Lovecraft with extreme violence and sorcery. Right, right, with with a meathead. Yeah. <laughs> right. So let's go. What have you been? What have you been reading, watching, consuming? Uh, to follow up from the last two shows, I finished Speaker for the Dead last night by Orson Scott Card, Excellent. the second in the Ender series, and that was that was extremely good. Um, so I moved on to a new book called Not Necessarily Rocket Science, um, which is kind of a nonfiction telling of just like what space tourism is at the moment and what it could be, um, and kind of breaking into the whole space industry. So that's been really fast. I want to know just more about that when you're done. You make sure to keep oh, us yeah, posted. Oh yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, I'm still working my way through my Lord of the Rings. No, no, no. The big one cut where I cut all three of the extended editions into one giant 10 hour, 55 minute movie. Like I thought I could do it all in one and I was wrong. Uh, so I'm in the middle of two towers right now. Um, my VLC player is paused on that. I think like what? Three and a half hours in they're about to go to Helm's deep. So still working through that. And then on the switch, I got golf story on sale, which is just a super fun indie RPG. I've heard good things about that. Heard very good things. It's just, it's just a blast. It's just so much fun. Um, and then of course, Muppet Christmas Carol is coming this week. Um, so got to have my anniversary movies, my traditional Christmas movies. Yeah. I love it. That's what I'm doing. I will say, uh, Nick, I think based on your recommendation, or you turned me on to this movie, The Fat Man with Mel Gibson as Santa Claus. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, my wife and I watched that the other night. How is it? Well, how and, is uh, it? I'm going to let you all decide how it is, but, uh, <laughs> but all right, we 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 enjoyed it. It's uh, yeah, Mel Gibson is great. Sweet. I think, and all right. uh, it's just. It's I I found it you know clever and funny. It's not like an amazing movie, but it's uh Walton Goggins is great as the assassin who's tracking down Santa Claus. Oh, he's always it's just, great. It's just a fun take on you know Chris Kringle. All so, right, all right, I'm sold. Can't wait. I'll check that we out. We gotta do it, Brendan. We gotta do it. Yeah. So after this episode, we're gonna do um next week. We're gonna do one on hot takes of just like 
you know, all the stuff going on with the industry and stuff going straight to streaming and no theater releases for WB and all that. So that'll be next week's episode. This is a okay. short episode um, for Christmas. Yeah. How do you feel about all that, by the way, as a filmmaker? About what? About like with um, WB announced, all their movies will go to oh. streaming HBO Max next year as well. I theater. I don't know. I haven't put a lot of like critical thought into it, but it's like maybe it's just part of the segue into the whole new streaming uh, world, you know? I mean, I don't mm-hmm. think theaters will ever die. I think people mm-hmm. want to go and have that communal experience. Um, mm-hmm. But I think a lot more people are going to be streaming. If they know they can stay home and watch Wonder Woman, they'll probably do that, you know? Right. Yep, reviews well, are coming out for yeah. that now, too. I mean, we're going to do that Christmas Day at home, but if I had the opportunity to go to the theater, I definitely would, because it's a yeah. experience. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's what we'll talk about next time. Sounds so, like a plan. Well, Chris, we're... Glad to have you on, man. This was awesome. Uh, Rayman, everybody, if you haven't seen it, uh, it I got it on Xfinity. It was streaming there. Um, you can rent it free, on Amazon. So. Is it, yeah. uh, it's on Amazon Prime? I think it's on Netflix, too. I don't know. but Is it? Uh, I don't think it is anymore. It was back before. Oh, okay. But, uh, it but it's, it's worth, you know, a buck ninety nine on Amazon or whatever That's they're great. charging. Yeah. So. Strong recommend. Strong recommend. All right, Chris, we will catch you again in the future. And everybody, have a wonderful, gush-filled... That sounds terrible. Just have a good day. Yeah. Have a good day. (laughs) All right, guys. Thanks thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for being here. Really appreciate it. Bye, guys. Take care.